Hello, Tiger Nation. I am Byron Hulsey, headmaster at Woodbury Forest School, and I would like to welcome you to the Woodbury podcast series. This podcast consists of informal yet substantive conversations with alumni, faculty, staff, and students. The conversations explore how Woodbury's core values empowered alumni to build a solid foundation for their lives, how those core values are taught today by Woodbury teachers, and how those values are put into practice by today's students. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to the Woodbury Podcast. Today, we're fortunate to have as our guest, uh, Mr. John Amos, who came to Woodbury back in 2008 as an English teacher and now serves as Woodbury's chaplain. John came to Woodbury from St. Anne's Belfield, where he had taught for many years. He's a native of Orange, Virginia. John, I've been looking forward to this, and I really appreciate you taking a little time to, to visit with me on the Woodbury Podcast, so thank you. Thank you for asking John, why don't you, we start with the story around how and why you, you came to Woodbury and maybe why you, you stayed. I have only partly jokingly referred to Woodbury as my midlife crisis. I had turned 50 years old and I loved St. Anne's Belfield School, but I was commuting 50 minutes one way. I've always had a fear of being stale or getting stale. I just started thinking that if I don't make a change at 50, I'll end up at St. Anne's forever, which in some respects would have been okay. Mostly I, I, I wanted something different and Woodbury was right in my backyard and it was different enough to be really challenging. So all boys and all boarding was quite different from what I was used to. Now you need to be, be honest with, uh, with, with the listeners here. Were you also <laughs> enticed by the Woodbury golf course? I was not actually enticed by the Woodbury golf course. I was a, I was a member at Woodbury, bef- uh, I was a member of the golf course before I was a teacher here. I think I was a member from 2002. And all my friends in Charlottesville jokingly said that I took the job at Woodbury so that I'd get free golf. It just happened to be a nice perk. It was not why. It was not why I came. I guess I'll believe you there. I, I get that Woodbury would be different than St. Anne's Belfield, kind of the K twelve co-ed day school, mm-hmm. an excellent school in Charlottesville, of course. Woodbury all boys, all boarding nine through twelve. That that is distinctive and, and and different. What have some of the most interesting differences been? as you've experienced Woodbury from what you had experienced before. Yeah, I, my wife and I, Betsy, Betsy and I had, we have three children and we had always sort of wondered why would anybody send their kid to a boarding school? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd been here about a week before I realized what the advantages were to sending a child to boarding school. One of them is that, well, it's obviously not just a day school, it's a round the clock school. That's terrific for kids. That's also from a teaching standpoint, if you like to teach, one of the biggest differences, I never had an opportunity at 10 o'clock at night at St. Anne's Belfield to be working with a student on a paper. If you like to teach, you're teaching all the time here, not just in a classroom setting. That was one of the big differences, probably the, probably the biggest. The biggest difference. Yeah. yeah. That may help answer the, the follow-up question, why have you, you stayed? I mean, it, it, this is a challenging and sometimes very demanding responsibility that faculty have here in a 24-7 kind of environment. I think we can all agree that it's not not easy. In those circumstances, why have you stayed? Simple answer is I love the place. Going back to the previous question about differences, 
everybody at Woodbury when I came here said, oh, this is a, a really demanding life, which is what you just said. And it's true, it is, but it's a different kind of demanding where in a day school, I had from 7.30 in the morning to 4.30 in the afternoon, and it was full speed ahead yeah, all right. the time. Fast. And it was just really fast and jammed in together. When I came here, my day might be 18 hours long, but it was much more fluid and I'd get out of class and go play three holes of golf. And that was honestly part of my job. I might play nine holes of golf with students. The day is just, it might be longer, but it's much more, it's just a full life. It's, it's a life at school as opposed to a defined eight hours and then everybody goes off and does their own thing somewhere else. I've had the same experience. I kind of think of Woodbury as a the days are, are long and they're slow. Interestingly, the weeks go really fast. I agree with, I agree with that for sure. It's an interesting dynamic there when I, when I think about, about time. We're going to get in a moment to, to your transition to serving as chaplain here at Woodbury. I know you well enough to know that in your heart you're, you're a teacher. And I know that for, for most of your career, you've, you've served as an English teacher. What are your biggest goals as a teacher, John? I don't even think in terms of goals, Byron. I really don't. I mean, I obviously want kids to learn. I want them to learn to write. I want them to love reading. I, I genuinely don't think in terms of goals. I just like going into a classroom with kids I don't know at first and learn to know and share with them the things I love. That's pretty much what it, that's pretty much what it amounts to. Colin Gay and I used to have a have a run run an argument about what our what our great metaphor for teaching was, and Colin's metaphor was the game. And my metaphor was it's a mission. It just feels like a mission to me. I've got things I love doing. I've got things I love to share with people. And that runs the gamut from how grammar works to why Shakespeare matters. When, when you're in the classroom and you're discussing a piece of literature with the boys, what's your method? What are you trying to do? What, 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 are, what are you hoping to accomplish? I won't use the word goal, but what are, you, what are you hoping to accomplish in that moment when you're sharing literature with the boys? I want them to understand. The simple version of that is I want them to be able to read it on their own. So I want to teach them how to read something. More than that, I want them to understand how it could possibly speak to them in their own lives. I'm struggling over your, your, your question a little bit just because it's something a little bit mystical, more than a little bit mystical. There's something mystical that happens in a classroom when it's going well. I feel it and kids feel it when it happens. And it usually centers around a text. And the moment that matters is when the text goes from not being just words on a page to how it actually could mean something in your own life. Can you give an example of something that you've experienced in your career that would be kind of cool for us to think through? One of the things I would always do at the beginning of a Shakespeare course was use Shakespeare's Seven Ages of Man, mm -hmm. where he describes from going, the, the sort of life cycle of going from a baby to going to a, an old man who can't see, can't hear, and doesn't have any teeth anymore. I would usually play, okay. Morgan Freeman would read it. You could just see kids, especially when it got to the reluctant schoolboy dragging his, his backpack to school, um, yeah. you could see them see themselves in the, word, in the words of Shakespeare. And that just happened over and over and over and over again. And, and one final kind of question about, about teaching, and then we'll, we'll shift to the, your, the opportunity, responsibility to serve as, as school chaplain. You're well known for teaching both third formers and sixth formers. What are some of the biggest differences that you see between boys 
in the third form as they come in as new boys and then upon the cusp of graduation? What, what, are, what are some of the things that you see as perhaps different? I, I love having taught that split for so long. I requested it a lot of years to be able to teach a combination of third and sixth. This might surprise you. One of the downsides of doing that is you see kids get a little more cynical as they get older. Mm-hmm. When freshmen come in, they're, they're genuinely bright-eyed and mm-hmm. genuinely still, still children. On the upside, the, the maturity level is, I mean, what, what's hap- what happens to kids around here in four years is pretty astonishing in terms of just their ability to think, think more with more sophistication, their ability to just carry themselves differently. Having said that, I, I love teaching seniors. I think I'm maybe the only person on campus that likes teaching seniors in the spring because they kind of revert back to being the knuckleheaded ninth graders they were. Yeah, um, just 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 like Shakespeare's Seven Ages of Man, right? From the yeah. mewling baby into the uh, toothless adult, ready yeah. about ready to die. Yeah. yeah. One responsibility that you've taken on at Woodbury that you didn't love was being the chair of the English department. What was so burdensome about that that uh, I'm just, made made, made you run away from that just as fast as you possibly could? I'm just not an administrator. I I've never liked administrative stuff. I like going in a classroom and teaching. I had wonderful comp, uh, uh, colleagues in the English department, really interesting people who who helped me a ton. I just want to go in a classroom, shut the door and teach. That's what I want to do. By the way, I love having you serve here as, as chaplain. I think it's terrific. It's been, for me, fun to watch you move into this new role. Why don't you tell our, our, our listeners a little bit about how that came to be from your perspective? And maybe you could also answer my question, which is, do you think at all that taking this on is uh, symbolic of another midlife crisis that you're, you're in the midst of or something like that. I would not call this a midlife crisis. I've but been, you're not playing golf anymore. I'm not that, playing yeah. golf. That's a whole different story. Um, I've always, I mean this, I've been really, really lucky both at St. Anne's and here to, I just mentioned a little while ago, I've always hated the idea of getting stale. I've feared getting stale. And I've always been really lucky to work at places where people gave me a chance every six or seven years to not really reinvent myself, but to do something different. So at St. Anne's, I started in the middle school. I moved to the upper school. I spent the last six years or so there as, a, as the, the faculty representative of the Honor Council. I came here, which was very different. I managed the golf course for a while, which mm-hmm. I love doing. And it's just a nice chance to get, I mean, every six or seven years, I get a chance to do something different. And I don't know why that's happened. I've just been lucky that, it, that I've that it has. As far as how, how it came to be, I didn't apply for the chaplain's job, as you know. Yeah. You called me, I can't remember if it was the end of the summer or the beginning of the fall a year or so ago, and said that you thought that Tyler Montgomery might be leaving soon. Right. And would I be interested in being chaplain? And I don't know if you told me to sit down, but you should have told me to sit down when you <laughs> asked me that, because it came as a big shock to be asked. But what came as almost as much shock to me was how readily I ended up saying yes. I think I ended up saying yes. I was really interested even in that phone call, even before I had time to think about it. I'm not quite sure what else to say about it other than that was just a big surprise to me in both both parts of that were surprising to me. The fact that you asked and the fact that I answered yes. Well, a little backstory there. I've always respected you and admired you and, and thought a great deal of you. And I'm familiar with the sincerity and the depth of your, your Christian faith. So th- that those boxes were checked for sure. 
full disclosure, my son Ben was your advisee and got to know you very well when he was here as, you know, as, as a boy at Woodbury. And I've had many, many conversations with boys over the years who've expressed to me the depth of their respect for you and their admiration of, of, of you as a teacher and a person. So those boxes were, were checked, but I remember really clearly asking Ben that same summer. We were in the car and I asked Ben, Ben, do you think Mr. Amos would be a a good chaplain at Woodbury, and he immediately blurted out, absolutely. So I, I knew that there may be a, a little bit of a currency there among the Woodbury community to welcome you in, in, in this new role. Why was it a surprise to you that you said yes as uh, quickly as you did? And man, I'm guessing it would be kind of weird for you with all the friends that you've built up over the, 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 the years for them to know that you're now serving as the Woodbury <laughs> chaplain. Yeah, that's a that's an odd, that's an odd thing going on in my life right now. Um, it was a surprise to me because I never aspired to do anything. I mean, I, I've participated in chapel pretty much every year I've ever taught uh, in terms of giving a sermon a year or so. But as far as being chaplain, that just never ever crossed my mind. It is it is somewhat odd to to go sit down for coffee at Hardee's and Orange and have friends of mine teasingly call me preacher and all that kind of stuff. The um, very reverend or some the, all that kind highfalutin of thing, yeah. language like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back. Your, your story about Ben's touching, uh, I had I've, another one I've told you, I know, but I, I'd, I'd like to repeat. I got the most, the best confirmation when I got a call from a former advisee who said that he and a buddy were, were talking about the fact that I was going to be the new chaplain. And his friend's response was, that's terrific because every English class was a sermon anyway. I don't think he meant that as preaching at him, but... I don't see that much difference, honestly, between what goes on. There's clearly some obvious differences, but in terms of spirit, there's a lot of overlap between what goes on in chapel and what goes on in, in my English class. I won't use the word goals here because I, I, I know you kind of don't, don't embrace that language necessarily, but what are you hoping that participants in the weekly chapel service at Woodbury, what are you hoping that we experience? I'll focus on the sermon because that's the part I spend most time thinking about. The way I write a sermon is I genuinely believe that the Bible is the word of God, which I think means that it speaks to people. And so when I sit down with passages that the lectionary gives me and start to prepare a sermon on one of those, I'm genuinely listening more than thinking about what that passage is saying. To me, what I'm trying to do in a sermon is to take what that passage says to me and make it relatable to other people. So if I can tell what that passage says to me in a way that resonates with students and faculty, that's that's what I'm aiming for. The early frustration, it's not a frustration, frustration is too strong a word. One of the things I've noticed is that in an English class, if you were gonna compare this to a baseball batting average, in a baseball, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an English class, at the risk of sounding cocky, I might be batting 800 in an English class with who I'm reaching. In chapel, I worry it's more like 250 or 300. I'm not sure. And why do you think, what, 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 what do you think accounts for the difference there? That's interesting. Well, it's 400 people in a room instead of 12 people in a room for one thing. Yeah. And you can't expect to reach 400 400 people. plus faculty. Exactly. And, and not every member of the faculty is delighted to be there. <laughs> is this an honest podcast? Yeah. Okay. You're correct. That's true. And and not certainly not every student is, is delighted to be there, right. right? And in an English class, because it's so much more intimate, I've got a chance of, of reaching the, the yeah. naysayers in a way that I don't in a room of 500. Or I haven't yet. My friend Paul Erb says you can't expect to reach them all. Right. And he's right. Yeah. 
that is a frustration. I want, when I'm in an English class, I want to reach everybody. And I can pull out all kinds of stops in an English class that I haven't figured out yeah. quite how to do in a, in, a, in a chapel setting. How do you feel about the boys who nod off and fall asleep in chapel, John? I think you heard me address that issue in, in, our, in our Thursday night meeting. What I told them in our Thursday night meeting was I totally understand nodding off in chapel after a long Monday, after a meal in a warm room, I, I get nodding off. What I, what I don't appreciate and, and was trying to address, I think in the right tone, I think I got the right tone with it, was the kids who, who come in with the intention of sleeping in chapel. That I don't think is right. And it needs to be corrected. Correct. One of the other responsibilities that you have and opportunities, and, and I think you have, well, I know you've suggested to me that you're enjoying this because it appeals to your, your life as a teacher, but you're responsible for the Bible course. And just so our listeners are reminded, Bible remains a requirement, a graduation requirement. And so every boy in the, in, in, in the school will go through this experience. What's it been like for you to teach the, the Bible course? In the summer, well, first of all, it's a trimester course. So when I was planning it in the summer, I realized that I have 36 one-hour classes to teach the Bible, mm -hmm. which is a 66-book book. Yeah. <laughs> the frustration of teaching it is it's a lot of stuff to try to cover or to at least give an overview of in a short amount of time to do it. One of the great things about it is the way I'm teaching it is sort of to pass fail class. It's for most kids, a sixth or a seventh class. Yeah. So I told them early on, the homework would be relatively light. Their homework is typically a short 10 minute reading and a very short two or three minute written response to the reading in terms of what questions do you have? Mostly it's usually what, what do you notice about the reading that's interesting and what, what questions do you have about it? And that drives the class and mm -hmm. it, it can kind of go all over the place, which I love. My hope is that they're going to come out with an overview of the Bible um, as well as an understanding of how to read it, uh, how they might read it, how it might mean something for their own lives. Not really hit or miss, but but a smattering of key stories throughout the Bible. I'm already we're ha we're right at the midterm as we're talking. We're right. right at the midterm of the first trimester, halfway through the first time teaching this. I'm already starting to think of ways that I'm going to tweak it for next for next trimester. Are you enjoying the, the opportunity? Oh, I love it. I really love yeah. it, and I think the kids are enjoying it. You feel like your batting average in class is higher than the. In the I do. Chapel? I yeah. do actually. Yeah. For the same reason, just because it's just an easier yeah, setting. Pr pretty much the same reason, and one of the really cool things is if I do the job for four years, You'll, I'll, I'll teach every, every student in the school. Which yeah, is, which is pretty cool. And it's been fun. Do you have a, you have a little bit of extra time to do some rapid fire questions from Woodbury? Sure. John, what's your favorite meal in the dining hall? Clyde Furman's uh, bread pudding. Clyde Furman's <laughs> bread pudding. What about a least favorite meal in the dining hall? Um, Chinese stir fry. <laughs> Chinese stir fry. Beef stroganoff for me. Okay, uh, favorite, favorite meal of the fir tree? Bacon cheeseburger with a coffee shake. Wow, yeah. bacon cheeseburger with a coffee shake. And curly fries if, if, if yeah. on occasion. That'll stick to your ribs, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> a favorite teacher in the course of your lifetime? Uh, Ron Comer at the high school level, who was the English teacher, who essentially inspired me to teach. And he was, he was quiet. He was not flashy. He just loved what he was teaching. And then at the college level, a man named Irby Cawthon, who oh, just yeah. was a gentleman at UVA. Yeah. What did you like about him? He was, he, he, same thing really. He taught me a Milton class and a Shakespeare class. And it was just 
how much he loved the stuff was palpable. You could feel it from He really could. Yeah. Uh, your favorite location on campus? This will not come as a surprise. The bench on the fourth tee um, overlooking the, the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah, just so our listeners know, I've got no idea where the fourth tee is, but it's close to the chapel. It's, it is close to the chapel, and it's the one that looks out over the hedges. I'm a runner, not a golfer, so I don't know the, the number, numbers of the golf course holes, but I have run the golf course, and it is beautiful. That's a special spot. Yeah, you, you're making me go back to the question I want to ask you. Wanna go ahead. Put up a little money for a renovation of the golf course well, sometime. Come on, John. <laughs> Go ahead. Next one. We invest significant institutional <laughs> resources in, in the world of golf here. Go ahead, go ahead. I think we've checked that, that box personally. You really tweaked me with that one. <laughs> uh, do you have a funny memory of any kind at Woodbury that you want to share? I know you've got a, a lot. Let me see if I can. There's one I can say. Well, this is this is not hugely funny, but it, it's it, it relates to my job as chaplain. Uh, David Smith and I were big golfing buddies. And David, of course, was the chaplain. Yeah. Two chaplains ago. We'd be riding along in the golf cart, and David would tar- suddenly start talking about something deeply spiritual. We'd play a few holes, and he'd keep talking about the same thing. And I suddenly realized that he was actually practicing, practicing his sermon on me <laughs> for that night. And sure enough, I could start to predict what the sermon was. I would yeah. predict with my advisees uh, what the sermon was going to be. You had about. a little bit of a heads up. I did. Well, I'm, I'm glad you offered David that opportunity to. to- <laughs> to get prepared for, for the evening's activities. Well, John, this has been a lot of fun and I really appreciate you, you, you taking time. And most of all, I appreciate who you are and I appreciate all that you invest in Woodbury and the care and concern and commitment that you've made to the boys and to us on the faculty over the years. And uh, thank you for taking on the responsibility to serve as, as Woodbury's chaplain. So John, thanks so much for being here. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, I love the place. You know I love the place. I appreciate working here, and I appreciate the opportunity to, that, that you asked me to, to do the job I'm doing. So that, that, that's fantastic. Thanks so much, John. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Woodbury Podcast. We hope you found our discussion insightful and engaging. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing, rating, or leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Stay tuned for more conversations in the future. And remember, the conversation doesn't have to end here. Connect with us on Woodbury Forest School social media, reach out with your questions or comments, and let's keep the dialogue going. Until next time, take care and go Tigers.